I don't want to cause mass panic, but it looks like the U.S. is expecting Vladimir Putin to launch nuclear weapons, to launch nukes, not into Ukraine, but on U.S. soil. Yes, we have multiple. Now, don't panic. And the last thing I want to do, I never report these stories unless there's substantial evidence, but we have multiple indications that the United States government believes that Vladimir Putin is ready, is prepared to use nuclear weapons on U.S. soil, including President Biden saying that Putin is ready to bring about a nuclear Armageddon, including the U.S. stockpiling radiation pills. And this did not happen under Trump, nothing even remotely like this. In fact, there was world peace pretty much under Trump. I mean, every country, every enemy was terrified of Trump. The Democrats labeled him a warmonger. The media acted as though he was had his finger on the button and was ready to like uh, create bring about World War Three. The exact opposite. Our enemies were terrified of Trump. He kept the peace. Biden is weak. And people like Putin and President Xi, they sniff it. They sniff Biden's weakness. So we're going to get to all of that coming up. Eric Adams has declared a state of emergency in New York City due to illegals. And by the way, Eric Adams, state of emergency. Well, you would think that if there's really an emergency, he would actually want to limit the amount of illegals coming to New York City. He doesn't want to do any such thing. All he wants is money out of this. So he doesn't really believe that it's a state of emergency. Like imagine if like a hurricane was coming to New York City and Adams declared a state of emergency and he could stop the hurricane from coming. And he said, no, 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 keep the hurricane coming. We just want billions from the federal government to pay for it. Don't stop the hurricane. Okay, if it's really that big an emergency, then stop the illegals, round them up, get them out. And I don't mean, you know, that they're being bussed in or whatever. That Believe me, Eric Adams, he could take away New York's sanctuary city status. So all he's using this is as a pretense to try to get billions from the federal government, and that is the Democrat playbook. Adams has said that 42 hotels have been set up as emergency shelters and 55— you believe that? Hotels. New York City is renting out dozens and dozens of hotels, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on hotels for these illegals. But it's a state of emergency. Somebody explain. It's a state of emergency. All right, let's get the hotels all rented out. Fifty five hundred uh, illegals, child, illegal children have been enrolled in schools. And now the city is exploring a program for New Yorkers to volunteer to host the uh, the unhoused in their homes. Now, by the way, have you noticed this? They're no longer being called homeless. Now they're being called the unhoused. And yet another, you know, Democrat like term here, this like ridiculous euphemism. Oh, they're just unhoused. Like like if somebody goes to a store, somebody goes out to the mall for the day, they're unhoused. Well, these people, these illegals who come down from come up from Mexico or uh, people who are homeless, who refuse to go to shelters and are basically living in the streets, they're unhoused. So now Eric Adams, he wants New York people who live in New York City who are housed to volunteer and host illegals, who Eric Adams calls asylum seekers, and to host unhoused in their homes. And Adams reiterated that New York is still a sanctuary city, but he says they can't handle the overwhelming influx of of migrants. And of course, they're blaming Texas Governor Abbott. Of course, they're blaming Governor DeSantis. Here you go. You've been proud. You've proclaimed New York City a sanctuary city. You have assured all illegals Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands come to New York City. You'll be safe. We'll give you food. We'll give you shelter. We'll give your kids school. We'll give you health insurance. Everything under the sun. But uh, but 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 it's in a, but it, but it's a state of emergency. And now we can't handle it. Now that they're actually 
showing up. And now that they're actually taking us up on our offer and now that we can somehow blame, blame the Republicans. So Adam says, we're not telling anyone New York can accommodate every migrant in the city, but we're saying that as a sanctuary city, we are going to fulfill our obligation. And that's what we're doing. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how these these Democrats, these radical leftist Democrats, their own policies are unsustainable. And they're sitting there saying, hey, this is our policy. We're, con- we're keeping this policy of sanctuary city of hundreds of thousands, millions of illegals being allowed to come in and we'll figure out a way. Oh, but by the way, we're overwhelmed. We can't handle this. And we're going to beg the federal government for billions of dollars. Oh, but this is a great this is a great policy. It, it is the worst policy ever. And the proof is that you're saying that you cannot handle this. So Adams declared this state of emergency, and now he's asking the federal government for $1 billion a year. It's egregious. Uh, you got to hear this clip. All right, President Trump says that if he ran against George Washington and Washington's running mate were <laughs> Abraham Lincoln in a head-to-head race, Trump says that he would win and that he was actually told by a famous pollster that, oh, yeah, he would crush uh, Washington and Lincoln. You cannot make this stuff up. Listen to this clip. I believe I remember a very famous pollster, very well-known. John McLaughlin came to my office just prior to the play coming in. He said, sir, if George Washington and Abraham Lincoln came alive from the dead and they formed a president-vice president team, you would beat them by 40%. How great is that? I miss those days. I mean, you still hear a lot from Trump, but not nearly as much as when he was president. And it's priceless. It is absolutely priceless to hear Trump, the former president, who's going to run again, I'm sure, in 2024, saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, this John McLaughlin, this famous pollster, he told me that, you know, if you ran against, you're a strong candidate, Trump, if you ran against uh, Washington and his running mate was Abe Lincoln, they wouldn't stand a chance against you. And here's what you have to, oh, come on, how could he say that? I mean, Washington and Lincoln, here's what you have to understand, the beauty of Trump. I've explained this so many times, and the Democrats cannot stand this. They don't understand it or they pretend to not understand it. Trump is a master at branding. This is what Trump does. He's a marketer. He's a, he's a branding wizard. So remember, he created these casinos. He created the Trump empire. He created these, these fancy hotels and these fancy towers and everything else. And then, of course, he went on to have this reality television show for years and years, which was highly successful. So Trump understands branding. He understands, like, like this is what he does, is he paints a picture. He uses hyperbole and, like, all sorts of things like this. Does he really believe it? It kind of doesn't even matter because it's not about that. He's putting on a show. He's a showman. Trump is a showman. Now, he was still he did so much as president. He got so many things done. He, you know, so many successful policies, so many conservative policies that helped the U.S. economy and made the country so much safer. So it's not like, well, oh, it's just fake. It's not like, well, you know, he just puts on a show. But where's the substance? He has plenty of substance and he has many, many achievements, many accomplishments. But at the same time, a big part of his game is putting on that show. And that's what Democrats can't stand. Well, he would say, like, you know, we have the safest border on the planet. And the Democrats fact check Washington Post, three Pinocchios. We checked. There's a there's a different country. Canada has safer borders than the United States or Singapore has safer borders than the United States. Yeah, United States is number two. So how could Trump say we were number one? And it would be like, well, Trump is a liar. And I'm just giving an example, obviously. But those were the kinds of things they like accused Trump of being a liar because they couldn't understand the fact that he likes to use hyperbole, and that's all That's all part of, the, part of the show. All right, bombshell prediction for the midterms by the blog 538, the 538 political blog. 
They say that Republicans in November will take control of the Senate. And that's even if Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker is looking shaky in Georgia. But even if he loses the race in Georgia in November, uh, 538 says that the Republicans are still poised to take control of the Senate in November. Obviously, that's huge. The Republicans are going to take the House. The question is, by what margin? But the big question is going to be the Senate. Obviously, the Democrats are desperate to hang on to the Senate. We're going to keep an eye. We're going to get dive into a lot more um, news about the midterms here as they get closer in the weeks ahead. We're only, what, three and a half weeks away, four weeks away. Kamala Harris, vice president, was in a car accident and the White House covered it up until, you know, until it was exposed. The White House claimed at first that it was a mechanical failure. But it turns out that Kamala's motorcade was in a car accident. How does the vice presidential motorcade get into a car accident? Can anybody explain that to me? Like that just shouldn't happen. It's just like a bunch of cars that are protected by a bunch of police motorcycles and police cars. But uh, the vehicle struck the curb. Somehow the White House covered this up. And just imagine if it were Trump, if it were Trump, I should say, you know, imagine if Trump or if, uh, you know, Trump's VP, Mike Pence, had uh, been in a car accident and then covered it up. I mean, the media would be going haywire. But of course, with Kamala, they pretty much bury the story. And here's the thing. It seems that President Biden was the one who was driving and who crashed Kamala's car because she's such a liability. Biden was trying to kind of, you know, push Kamala out of office. I'm just kidding. That's just a joke. And meanwhile, thanks to Biden, as I said, we're on the brink of nuclear war here. I don't want to get anybody nervous. Don't panic. But there's like multiple indications that the United States may be on the brink of nuclear war. There are three things that have happened in the past week, all of which are alarming. Uh, They're downright alarming. I mean, they're, they're terrifying. Let's be honest. Because the United States may be on, may be at risk of being attacked by Vladimir Putin with nuclear weapons. I, I'm not using hyperbole. I like, I never ever, uh, you know, use words like this or even discuss this kind of story. Uh, but like when I read like the third story that was like all pointing to the same thing, I was like, um, maybe there's something to this. So number one, Joe Biden actually discussed uh, nuclear Armageddon. And said that that was the wording, you know, that that was his wording of what Putin actually is trying to do. Uh, Also, Putin is hiding in a bunker. Vladimir Putin for months has been hiding in a nuclear bunker. No exaggeration. And the United States now has just purchased a massive stockpile of of anti-radiation disease pills. Um, Those are three stories that all broke in the last few days. Is that just a coincidence? So here's what Biden said. Biden was speaking at some kind of fundraising event, he said that Putin was, quote, not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons, and that we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since the Kennedy and Cuban Missile Crisis. So Biden literally said we have not faced um, anything like the nuclear threat right now since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Nothing has remotely been comparable to that until right now with the threat of Putin and a nuclear Armageddon. That is a quote from the president of the United States. You'll say, well, he doesn't really know. He's a little clueless. He's this. Look, he got this from somewhere. I mean, what, did he just make it up out of the clear blue? And remember, the Cuban Missile Crisis, that's when children in school literally did drills on how to hide under their desks in case of a nuclear attack. Not sure exactly what that would accomplish, but that's literally, you know, I know people, close relatives of mine who... They did these drills in case there was a nuclear attack, and then and they had these fallout shelters. 
Now, of course, the White House has walked it back and uh, said Biden, you know, never really meant it, of course. And it's not really true. Like, how exactly do, do you misinterpret the words when that Biden says that Putin's not joking when he talks about nuclear weapons and we have not faced the, this prospect of Armageddon since the Cuban Missile Crisis? You know, the Pentagon has walked it back. Oh, it's the old guy. Just ignore the old guy. And how often have we seen this? That Biden says something that is pretty terrifying, but actually sounds like it's accurate and sounds like the type of thing that they usually cover up, except that Biden you know, just simply doesn't have the cognitive wherewithal to to cover these things up. So he slips them. He finds them out in some kind of, you know, uh, meeting where they brief him, some kind of briefing. And then he goes and he uh, spills it to people because he doesn't he's you know, he's not capable of keeping these things hidden and covered up like he's supposed to. He's too cognitively challenged to keep it a secret. Then the White House acts as though, well, Biden never really meant it. Like, how many different ways are there to interpret the words nuclear uh, Armageddon? Now, the U.S. has purchased a lot of these pills that are used to treat radiation poisoning. This is unbelievable. The pill is called N-Plate. And the United States has purchased $290 million worth of this drug used to treat radiation poisoning, but no need to worry because the the government says you don't have to panic. This is not this has nothing to do with Vladimir Putin. This is just like a routine purchase. So this let me read you an actual NBC story and even NBC News like they're being very sarcastic and, uh, you know, basically making it sound as though, like, of course, the reason the U.S. is doing this is because they're afraid of a nuclear attack. This is the NBC headline, quote, why U.S. purchase of radiation sickness drug end plate is no cause for alarm. That's the, the headline is why it's no cause for alarm. And let me read you uh, some excerpts here from this story. Quote, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said that it spent $290 million on a drug to treat radiation sickness. The department said that the purchase of the drug called end plate is part of its longstanding ongoing effort by the administration for strategic preparedness and response to better prepare the U.S. for potential health impacts of a wide range of threats to national security. And here's a quote from NBC News, quote, in other words, despite President Biden's warning that the risk of nuclear Armageddon is the highest since the Cuban Missile Crisis, the purchase of the drug for radiation sickness is coincidental, according to Health and Human Services. But Health and Human Services did not comment on when the decision to order the drug was made or whether it predated the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And this gets even crazier. I'll explain in a moment. But again, even NBC News, the leftist, biased, uh, pro-Biden NBC News, they're like mocking this and saying, oh, yeah, this is just we're supposed to believe it's a coincidence that uh, Biden is talking about a nuclear Armageddon. And yet the United States the same week buys $290 million of a drug used to treat radiation sickness. But it, it was just a routine purchase. The, we're always trying. It's for preparedness. We're always trying to be extra prepared and extra cautious when it comes to purchasing drugs to treat radiation poisoning. And here's where it gets crazier. Chris Meekins, who's a former top official for HHS for Health and Human Services, he says, no, there's no cause for alarm. Here's what he said. He said, this purchase, this $290 million purchase, it sounds like a lot. It only buys 50,000 courses of the drug, and that's much less than the U.S. would buy if we really were on the brink of nuclear war with Russia. So, like, it's unbelievable. He says, he says, oh, no, I'll tell you, I'll prove that the, the U.S., this purchase has nothing to do with Putin. Because if they were going to purchase this drug because they're worried about Putin attacking with nukes, oh, they would have bought a lot more of this, $290 million. That's nothing. That, that doesn't buy nearly enough 
doses of the drug to actually, you know, help the country in the event of a nuclear attack. Oh, well, that's really reassuring. So not only is the government buying tons of this stuff because they're really worried, but like they're not buying nearly enough, it turns out. It turns out they're actually buying much less, much less than is necessary. And I guess people would be fighting for it uh, if the time would come. And and as I said, Putin is actually hanging out in a nuclear uh, bunker and he has threatened to use nuclear weapons multiple times. Here's a quote from uh, the Daily Beast. Only a handful of people know the exact location where Vladimir Putin is celebrating his 70th birthday in St. Petersburg. That's St. Petersburg, Russia, by the way, not Florida. But critics say he spends more and more of his time isolated deep inside nuclear bunkers. People who have known Putin for many years say he's nervous and tense these days. And um, there's a lot of speculation that he's using, planning to use tactical nuclear weapons from a bunker far away from Moscow. Putin himself has said he will respond to the grim daily news from Ukraine where his army is suffering defeat after defeat with all the means at our disposal. And he said that is not a bluff. I Meanwhile, I want to mention, you know, as we head into the midterms here just a few weeks away, it's very clear what the Biden strategy is. Number one, bribe as many voters as possible to vote Democrat and and literally bribe them. Literally, that's what Biden is doing. He's bribing uh, or his people. The, you know, when I say Biden, I obviously don't mean Biden because, as we've established many times, Biden doesn't really have any idea what's going on. But it's his people. It's it's Susan Rice and, you know, probably Obama somewhere behind the scenes. But um, they've also they made such a mess of the country. They caused such chaos. They, they, they caused such financial catastrophe, such financial, such financial devastation with the inflation and the high gas prices and, and all of that, the border mess, they basically made things so bad that now if things get a tiny drop better, they're hoping, and I don't think the strategy is going to pan out, but they're hoping things get a drop better and people are like, oh, you see that? Look, Biden, he's not so bad after all. Wow, the, the Democrats are not as bad as we thought. All right, we'll vote Democrat. That That's like what they're banking on is like gas prices. All right, they reached this sky high number, gas prices reached an you know insane high of like four eighty a gallon, five dollars a gallon, six dollars a gallon. Some places, well, now gas is down to like three eighty nine a gallon. Oh wow! I mean, that's cheap. Look how cheap gas is. Well, wait a second. When Biden took office, gas was like two forty a gallon, and like then Biden like tripled it, and now it's like only down to double what it was. So wow, that Biden, he's great for the economy. That's what they're hoping, but he's also bribing voters. The student loan forgiveness a few weeks ago, that's that's going to affect millions and millions of voters. Uh, last week, Biden issued these marijuana pardons. He's basically pardoned, I guess, anybody who's been federal, who's sitting in jail because they were federally convicted of because, uh, you know, he can't pardon people for state and local um, convictions, but federal convictions of marijuana use or marijuana possession. Um, Biden has has forgiven that, has literally pardoned uh, anybody who's ever been uh, federally convicted of marijuana possession. Well, that's like three quarters of the country. You know how many millions of people that is? And now Biden has opened the oil reserves to bring down gas prices. So like all this has been timed for the midterms. This has been their plan all along. Uh, and this is what Democrats do. It's like scorched earth policy. It's like implement all these horrific policies as soon as he takes office, you know, make a total mess of the southern border. Then, of course, Afghanistan, the Afghanistan debacle that happened early on. People, that's not at the top of voters' minds this coming November. And then at the last minute, uh, implement a bunch of these socialist policies to bribe people for votes. And people do have short memories. So 
We're going to have to take, you know, keep an eye on this. Dr. Fauci has given millions in funding to EcoHealth Alliance. And EcoHealth Alliance is the group that basically developed the COVID virus through gain-of-function research. Basically, in cahoots with China, they developed the, the, the coronavirus. And now Fauci has given them millions of dollars in new funding. I mean, Fauci has been funding them for years and years. And, of course, you know, behind the gain of the, that funding paid for the gain-of-function research, which very likely led to the COVID virus. And now Fauci is defending the new virus. So Fauci basically, arguably, created the virus. Then he's placed in charge of fighting the virus. And of course, he totally botched that. Trump saved millions of lives with the COVID vaccine. Trump is the one who gets blamed somehow. And uh, well, not somehow, because the media despises Trump and Democrats control the media. So anything Trump does, no matter how good it is, no matter how many millions of, he literally saved millions of, there's an estimate that like the Trump vaccine, the COVID vaccine saved like 50 million lives around the world. Because remember, the vaccine in the United States, which was developed in record time, the Operation Warp Speed, it happened like, supposed to happen in like three or four years. It happened in less than one year. And then Trump said, oh, we're going to have it before the end of the year, back in 2020. And remember, Democrats and the media, they said, no, it's not possible. Experts, even Fauci, were like, Nah, Trump, as always, he's exaggerating. You know, his timeline's too fast. And and it, it went exactly as he called it. The, the, the vaccine, actually, the timeline was exactly what Trump said it would be. If it were up to Biden or Hillary, if it were up to the the, 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 the bureaucrats, the Democrats, the, you know, and Fauci and the CDC, you know, that, that circus called the CDC, it, it would have taken years. And yet Trump gets the blame. So now Fauci has uh, given this, this grant to study bat viruses to the same company that is suspected of conducting gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab. EcoHealth Alliance, listen to this, has begun a multi-year study of viral sequences for use in vaccine development. The, the grant was issued by the NIAID, which is run by Fauci, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which, of course, is a department within the NIH. It's a $3.3 million study that Fauci provided the grant for involving bats and coronaviruses. I mean, this is like, it's mind-numbing, and this is mind-boggling. Here's a quote uh, from a tweet from Rutgers University professor of chemical biology, Richard Ebright. He's been a frequent critic of Fauci. And he believes the virus was man-made. He said, quote, it should be noted, EcoHealth Alliance was awarded a new NIH grant 10 days ago, providing an additional $3.3 million over five years for a project that includes high-risk virus discovery research in bats in Southeast Asia. End quote. Doesn't that sound familiar? So Fauci defended the move. Uh, he said, quote, if... Something is peer-reviewed, gets a high recommendation for funding. You cannot arbitrarily decide, I just don't want to fund it because people don't like them. If they ever brought that to court, they could sue us and win in a microsecond. So you've got to be careful. And what I mean, I don't like, people don't like them. People don't like them. They were in cahoots. They literally gave millions of dollars, thanks to you, Fauci. Remember when Fauci said, well, it wasn't my fault that they used it for gain-of-function research. They promised they wouldn't. That's basically what he said. He said, we had their word. China. It's literally the Chinese Wuhan lab. And you gave money to EcoHealth Alliance, millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's pumped into EcoHealth Alliance. That money literally was handed to China, their Wuhan lab, which means that Fauci funded gain-of-function research, which is the research that almost definitely led 
to the COVID virus. And now Fauci is saying, well, listen, you don't want to, we don't want to get sued if we don't give them more millions to do more research, more virus. Are you kidding me? If you say, listen, I don't want to spend millions of dollars for research into bat viruses in China, which is like literally COVID, like literally, I don't want to give millions of dollars because it's for sure going to develop COVID 2.0. Like you're going to get sued. I mean, that's what you're worried about getting sued. Like you're creating the next pandemic and you're worried about like, oh, but they're going to sue us. I mean, you sue you on which court? It's it, it, EcoHealth Alliance. Like you, you're obligated to give them like millions in funding to create another COVID. Elon Omar was asked if she regrets her support of the defund the police movement. And uh, a reporter asked her this question. She was getting into a car and she like rolled up the car window and drove away. But here's the real issue. This was a Fox News reporter. Here's the, the point that bothers me is that like we're always the ones who need to like the burden of proof is on us. We need to prove that like their policy is bad. So literally like this Fox News reporter is saying, oh, well, it turns out that the defund the police movement led to more crime, led to increased crime. And Elon Omar, like, aren't you upset? Obviously, she's disgraceful. Uh, you know, we know that she's a vicious anti-Semite and uh, she's a racist. And obviously, the defund the police movement is a terrible idea. But like this Fox reporter is asking her, well, now we see that the defund the police movement, it led to an increase in crime. Do you regret it? Like, hello. Of course, it would lead to like they make it into a question. That's what bothers me is the left. We lose automatically because, like, even when we're right, it's like, oh, but but do you have the data? Did you prove that uh, defunding the police led to an increase in crime? Less police equals more crime. Well, how do you know? How do you know, like, that less police equals more crime? Police are the ones that fight the crime. Less police equals more crime. It's obvious. You know, it, it, remember when, so, like, we already lose when the Fox reporter even needs to, she's rolling up the window and driving away because she has disdain for you know, police and for Fox News reporters and for any anybody who, you know, who's not Muslim. But like, why do we need to prove this? Like, you know, and like we already lost. They did this with everything. You know, we needed to prove, well, well, you're offering these ridiculously high unemployment benefits and people don't want to go back to work post COVID. Well, to prove there's a correlation. We don't have any data that the fact that the government is paying them to stay home is what's incentivizing them not to get a job. Like we don't need to prove that. Governor Hochul said there's no data that no cash bail increases crime in New York State. Like, it's like there are certain things that are self-evident, like you don't need data for. Like, you guys need, the burden of proof is on you, not on us. But that is how they've brought about socialism is like they make you question the obvious. And like these things used to be self-evident. And it was like, of course, obviously, we can't give out free money to people because they're not going to work. And that's socialism and it's bad and it never worked and it brought down the Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, obviously less police is more crime, more police equals less crime. And they make you question everything. And it's absurd. The Washington Post. This is a bombshell. I wanted to get to this earlier in the show, but there's so much going on. The Washington Post says that the FBI has enough evidence to indict Hunter Biden. And at first, this sounds like, wow, look at this bombshell. Like even The Washington Post is, is now turning on Biden, turning on Hunter Biden, turning on Joe Biden and even the Washington Post, like they're reporting uh, negative news about Hunter and the laptop. Don't fall for it. It's actually a smokescreen. It's it actually, once again, the Washington Post is trying to protect the Bidens. I know it doesn't sound like that. I'm going to explain here. The Washington Post ran this story. But like if this story is accurate, it, what they're really trying to do is they're really trying to minimize and downplay Hunter Biden. He's done things that are so bad, so bad that like. 
the Washington Post, they have to concede to some of it. But what they're doing is they're they're only plucking out like the most minimal charges. And that's what's going to end up happening. He's so bad that like there's no way he can just walk free. There's no way that they cannot indict him. So what they're doing is they're sending up to like indict him on these minimal charges and he's going to get away with probation and never serve any jail time, even though he's this like vicious criminal. So that's really what's happening here. The Washington Post had this major bombshell story that the FBI admits their FBI officials saying, oh, yeah, we have enough evidence to indict to indict Hunter Biden on tax fraud and on gun charges, tax fraud and gun charges. That's the best. They, that's the best they've got. Now, these are minor, minor considering like he was operating as a foreign agent. He was getting billions of dollars from China. He was on the board of Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company. All this stuff he was doing while Joe Biden was VP, okay? And he literally flew on Air Force Two to China and 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 gathered billions in investments. So he literally was operating as a foreign agent, not reporting it. And he was also like basically, you know, selling, peddling his father's influence as VP to China and Ukraine and, and, and Russia and other countries. So, I mean, Hunter Biden, like he he should be thrown in jail for life and throw out the key. But and so should Joe Biden and the whole Biden crime family. But instead, tax fraud and gun charges, it's it's a joke. It's it 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 it's it's a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's it's a slap on the wrist. So and the the gun charges are that like he lied on it's it, it's almost never prosecuted. You know, it was an application for a gun purchase and they said, do you use drugs? And he said, no. And it's like, well, everybody knows that Hunter Biden, I mean, every every child on the street knows that Hunter Biden, like, has been a cocaine addict for years and years. So it's 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 comical that he even answered no on that application and they let him buy a gun. So that's the gun purchase charge. And then the other charge is tax fraud. So, like, all the things, the horrible things he's done, and the Washington Post, Post admits, oh, yeah, by the way, the FBI says that they can be charged with these two mi- minor offenses. So that's what's really happening is like they're figuring out a way to somehow uh, enable him to get away with all these horrible crimes that he did and saying, all right, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll just throw these two at him. And let's see even if those because he hasn't been indicted for those either. And finally, Joe Biden is giving out free cell phones to illegals. Biden is giving out millions of free free cell phones to illegals. Uh, and it's being paid for, of course, by taxpayers. It's not free. We're paying for it. And they're using this to justify releasing the illegals into the United States so that they can disappear and never be heard from again. More than 300,000 smartphones. All right, I'm sorry, I said millions, but it's it's millions of dollars. But more than 300,000 smartphones used to monitor illegal immigrants were given out by the Biden administration last month, issuing these phones to illegals as part of an ICE program called Alternative to Detention. And basically, it's going to allow them to, 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 to roam free in the United States before their hearings, before their asylum hearings. And the asylum hearings are a joke. Number one, they never show up. Number two, they're, they're never, they never qualify for asylum. They come to the United States, they claim asylum, asylum, their persecution, whatever, but they don't. They don't qualify. They're just not happy because their countries are poor and destitute. So the smartphones cost taxpayers $361,000 per day, per day. And it's supposed to be used to track these illegals to make sure, well, we can let them roam around the country no problem because now we're going to enforce that they actually come back for their hearings and appear at their he- and their asylum hearings. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They just want to give them. It's just a, it's just another government program where they can give them you know free smartphones and allow them to go free instead of be detained and get away with it. But if you think it's going to actually help enforcement, oh, we know Biden. Uh, he has no interest in enforcing, um, you know, 
cracking down on these illegals. That's like the last thing Biden wants to do. He wants these people to become Democrat voters, and he wants their kids to become Democrat voters. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.